Hey guys, happy Tuesday Choose Yourself. I hope you guys are finding yourselves in a good mental space this morning. If you guys joined us last week, you will recall that we have started a new series called Healing Your Life. And today is actually episode two of this series. If you didn't join us last week, I suggest that you do go back and listen to last week's episode because it really does open up the conversation around our healing and the process of healing and essentially the fact that healing and showing up for the process of healing is probably the hardest but also the bravest thing you can ever do for yourself because healing isn't easy you know looking at your life asking yourself what you don't like about your life and then going deeper as to why you don't like those things is a really difficult and challenging process a lot of us like I said last week are really good at just bottling things up and keeping things in our emotional vault and never really dealing with it but this whole series is about how I've gone about my process of healing and hopefully in sharing my process it will inspire you to also pursue your healing and um, just talking about last week's episode I did get a few inquiries from friends and from other listeners around uh, finding a therapist because that's one of the things I touched on last week so the question was how do I go about finding a therapist what I did was I went onto Google because I didn't know how to find a therapist myself, right? So I went on to Google and I searched um, psychologists in Johannesburg. And I was amazed by how many links came up um, about psychologists actually in Johannesburg. And what I liked about it was that these various links were actually online directories that actually displayed the profiles of these psychologists, um, what they had studied, their age, it has a picture of them even what the area of speciality is and um, how many years of experience they have in that and even references. So I was able to look through this um, list of psychologists and really guys, I can't say that the kind of profile that I decided on will work for you. I think it just depends on who you are, you know, what your life experiences are and really who you would feel more comfortable talking to. So initially when I narrowed down my search for a therapist, it was narrowed down to two women, one who must have been in her 60s and another woman who must have been in her early 30s. Um, but they both specialized in the area that I wanted to tackle and they both had experience. So I set an appointment with both of these women um, and I was going to go to each session and see how I felt, um, how they engaged me, how comfortable I felt, you know, what information they were providing, that kind of thing. I went to the first appointment, which was actually with the younger psychologist. And I just connected immediately. I connected with how she spoke to me, um, how she approached me. She had a very gentle spirit. And I think as a very bubbly personality, I initially thought that I would want somebody who was also bubbly and proactive and, you know, loud. Um, but I realized that her gentle spirit and her gentle nature really connected to the part of me that needed a softer voice in counsel, a, a part of me that needed a more gentle approach 
to my problems and that perhaps having somebody that was as proactive as I am, as energetic, you know, as bubbly as me, wasn't really what I needed in order to deal with my problems. Um, and so I've been seeing my therapist for, gosh, we're in June now. I think I've been seeing my, my therapist for actually close to, I want to say three, four months, maybe even five, you know, time goes by, but I definitely see the change in my life um, and recognizing that there are certain things that really can only be dealt with in therapy. And the more I started to go to therapy, the more I started opening up and the less stigma, you know, I attached to therapy and the less ashamed I, I felt. So I think the less hush hush we are about seeing therapists and seeking professional help, the more we will really break down that stigma of seeking professional help. It may seem scary in the beginning, but I promise you five months in, I'm telling you, I've seen the benefit in my life. So check on Google, you know, um, therapists, you know, in New York, you know, therapists in London, wherever you are, therapists in Nairobi, take your time, go through the profiles and see what works best for you. I just wanted to answer that question of how do we find a therapist um, that you guys know that there are ways to do so online. But for today, guys, um, I was really excited to continue with episode two of the healing your life series i've been doing work guys i've been doing personal work um the past week after i uploaded the first episode um of this series because i'm not speaking from a point of healing i'm speaking from a point of pursuing my healing and i really wanted to share my process with you and hopefully inspire you to also begin your journey and your process of healing um so for today i really wanted to talk to you about um, and I guess the title for today's episode is called You Are More Than What Happened. You are more than what happened. And that, I think, in itself is provoking because it, it, it it's on the basis, it goes on the assumption that I know what happened. Uh, the truth is, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened in your life. Um, I don't know when it happened or why it happened. And I certainly don't pretend to understand the the pain of that situation. But because we can all agree that we all go through pain in different ways and we all have traumatic experiences, that healing and sharing our journey of healing is something we can still do even though our area of pain or our traumatic experience is not the same. So I've really been thinking about, like I said last week, the books that I've been reading and continuing to pursue content around healing. As you guys know, I've mentioned in the previous episodes that I read A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle and now I'm currently reading um, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Alhay. Um, and she was an incredible author. She passed away a few years ago, actually, but, you know, her work is still relevant and I'm certainly enjoying her work. So I actually wanted to share an exercise that I did with you guys, and I was hoping that you guys could do the same exercise. Um, the exercise is really about the negative messages in our minds. Um, what are the negative messages in your mind? Um, what are the continuous messages um, of self-hate and, you know, um, yeah, self-condemnation that you have floating in your mind? You can take a minute to kind of just think about it. But the exercise that I did this week 
um, was literally looking at those negative messages. And the reason why it's important and I really wanted to share this exercise with you guys today is because, you know, our lives are shaped by what we think. Um, And the truth of the matter is beyond what we think, once you've thought a thought, you often speak that thought. And once you have spoken that thought, you often action those words. So what we think matters. Now, if what we think is predominantly negative messages about how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive the world around us, and how we interact with life in general, that means that our words will follow that pattern and our actions will follow that pattern. If our actions follow that pattern, then we create a life that perpetually communicates those negative thoughts. And I really wanted to talk about this and open the conversation of you are more than what happened by first examining negative thoughts. And I'm hoping that in a moment you'll see why I've taken this approach. So I actually did this exercise. And if you hear pages flipping around, it's because I'm actually going back to my journal where I wrote some of these thoughts. Now, these are some of the thoughts that I had. And then what I did was I wrote an accompanying emotion with that thought. These are thoughts that I, from from the, the earliest time that I can remember, you know, I can't even really trace down the age where I started having these thoughts. But I certainly know that they were there from primary school. So that's the age of seven. I knew that some of these thoughts were already dancing around in my mind. Um, and so these are some of the thoughts. So some of the thoughts that I had was thoughts of, um, I'm not normal, thoughts of I'm expensive, um, thoughts of I'm lazy, thoughts of I'm not clever enough, thoughts of I'm too talkative, thoughts of I'm too bossy, um, thoughts of, you know, I have a, an odd shaped body, I'm, you know, I got, I'm too voluptuous, you know, um, thoughts that I'm too slow um, mentally, um, thoughts that I, you know, I, I'm so many thoughts, guys. Um, the thought that I have daddy issues. Now, these are just a few of the thoughts, okay? Literally just a few. Um, your girl over here wrote all the thoughts. And that was really the exercise that Louise gave in her book. To write down all the negative thoughts you have ever heard. All the negative messages that your mom, your dad, your auntie, your uncle, your teacher, your gym trainer, whoever had spoken to you from the earliest time that you can remember. What was that message? Write it down. Right. The second part of this exercise is once you've written down what the message was, what the negative message was, how did it make you feel? So I'll give you an example. So the thought that said that I was not normal made me feel unacceptable. Okay. And unaccepted. The thought that said I was expensive made me feel like an inconvenience. The thought that I wasn't clever enough or as clever as other kids or as clever as other siblings made me feel inadequate. The thought that I had daddy issues and the message that I, that I received that I had daddy issues made me feel burdensome. It also made me feel rejected. So those are just a few And I was really alarmed, number one, by how many negative messages I had heard in my life. Really alarmed. 
I, I tried to think about the positive messages that I had received and I realized that I definitely had a lot more negative messages that I had received over the course of my life than positive ones. Then as I wrote down the negative messages that I've, that I, that I've heard in my life and that I've been told in my life, I wrote down the emotions. But the emotions, guys, as I wrote down those emotions of inconvenience, burdensome, abnormal, inadequate, uh, stupid, as I wrote down that, those emotions that, are, that were accompanying those thoughts and those messages, I felt those emotions. I felt a rush of all of those emotions. And my physical body actually reacted in that I started to, I rolled up my fists, I clenched my teeth, you know, I crossed my legs quite tightly. My body was having a physical reaction to the emotional response that I had to these messages. Um, And so when you're doing this exercise, should you decide to do it, I think expect you know, the, the emotions, you know, it's okay if this makes you cry or tear up. It's okay if it chokes you up a little. I imagine that it would. Um, but once I had written down the negative messages and the emotions that were associated with those negative messages, I could breathe because I felt like for the first time in my life, I could name the negative messages Before it kind of felt like I just had a very polluted mind. Now it feels like I understand the pollution in the mind. I understand the contents of the pollution that was in my mind. And I can I can place the pollution and understand its context. I understand where the negative messages came from. Now, the point of the exercise is not to condemn the people that said these things about me. And according to the list that you've written down now or that you might write down later, it's not to condemn the people that have said those negative messages about you. And so part two of the exercise is to understand who said those messages, who gave you those negative messages and why. So often what happens is we stop the thought at the negative message and then we feel terrible about it and then we either change our mood and never really deal with it. So it's important to write the message down, what was said, how did it make you feel and then go deeper and say, well, why was it said? So in dealing with some of the things that I've mentioned, um, I've, I think it's important that I that I kind of finish at least this exercise so you guys can follow through. Um, so the idea of, you know, not being normal, the idea of being an inconvenience, um, the message of daddy issues, the message of not being as clever as the other kids, those messages, hurtful though they were, the intention really was not to hurt me. When I think about the people that said those negative messages. And I guess in my adult intelligent mind, I can really understand now where they were coming from. And in, in the book, Louise Hay asks us to think about those people and to think about the kind of person they would have to be in order to say those words to a child. Often, guys, the different behaviors 
we adopt and practice is really the cries of an unhealed child. And so an adult who's able to say to a child, a seven-year-old girl, that you are expensive, you're too expensive, an adult that's able to say, why can't you think like the other kids? An adult that's able to say, why aren't you like so-and-so? Is an adult who had probably been told that by their parents, the inability to deal with what was said to them, they can't hear that there's a problem in what they are saying to you. Another thing um, that I was exposed to was criticism uh, about my figure. Now, um, those who know me, you know, I'm a bit curvy. And, um, you know, back in the day before Kim Kardashian and everybody else, you know, curves weren't popular, guys. <laughs> if we rewind a couple of years, we will recognize that curves weren't always popular. And so as a child, I always felt like I, you know, my hips were too big. My bum was too big. You know, I was just too big. I was never um, unhealthy as a child and I certainly wasn't overweight, you know, but I always felt that my natural figure was just not what was popular at the time. Um, but then I realized that the the individual in my life who communicated that, you know, I need to watch what I eat, you know, I need to not wear jeans or pants, you know, I need to not do this or not do that because it will put my body in a negative light. She herself had issues with her body. She herself had extreme issues with her body. And so did, you know, her generation before that. So did her mother before that. So, you know, what was communicated to me as a child of, you know, be careful what you eat, be careful what you wear, was really just a cry of help from her inner child who had not dealt with the negative messages she had observed in her mother and that she had communicated to herself and perhaps that her mother also communicated to her. And so it was really nothing about my curvy hips and everything to do with the fact that she was uncomfortable with her body. And she was taught that it's okay to be uncomfortable with your body and it's okay to criticize your body and to really get into the self-hatred in the way that she spoke about her body. And so in her mind, she was never beautiful. In her mind, she was never um, sexy. In her mind, she was never stunning. She was never lovely. And so because she was not those things, Obviously, I would never be those things because she had never worked out that messaging in her own life. She had never done the exercise of tracing that negative message in her own life and understanding the source of it and deciding for herself who she wants to be, what she wants to do with her life, how she wants to perceive and celebrate the uniqueness that is her beautiful body and beautiful face. And so when I realized this, when I was doing this exercise, it completely blew my mind. There've been so many times where as a young adult, as a young woman, I have looked at my body in, you know, the, the stores, the shopping stores, those mirrors, you know, that, you know, the three mirrors in one fitting room. And I've looked at my body from every angle and felt insecure. And no matter what item I put on, not really wanting to go to the changing room because not wanting to face my image in the mirror. So I can buy the jeans and get the size that I know will fit. But I don't want to go through the process of having to look at myself in the jeans in a long body mirror. And now I realize where that came from. 
where that root is, where it actually came from. Similarly to something bigger than that, perhaps, um, like daddy issues. You know, if, if you didn't have a father in your life or your parents got divorced or your father walked out and people have labeled you as a person that has daddy issues, when you realize that, hang on, you know, my sister always says this, that, you know, a woman had daddy issues because her daddy had issues. And it's so profound because it's not so much about the fact that he left you. It's the reason why he left. What was going on in his mind? What was going on in in his understanding of what it means to be a man? What it means to be a father? You know, what was his father like? You know, what was his relationship with his father like? That he was able to disassociate himself from his children. So instead of creating this narrative of being abandoned, inadequate, um, inconvenient, a mistake you recognize maybe there was a lot more going on with my father that really had nothing to do with me and more to do with him. Maybe there's a lot more to the story than me being the girl or you being the boy that has daddy issues. Maybe your daddy had issues. And until you're able to make that distinction, you will always carry the label of daddy issues. You'll always carry the label of inadequate and all of the other emotions that carry it. So going through this exercise allowed me to understand the thought, the emotion and go deeper into the exercise, which is part two of the exercise and really examine who said those negative things that continue to play in my mind and where were they in their lives How were they raised? What were they exposed to? Sometimes our parents say things, or our aunties, our uncles, our teachers, whoever is a person of influence, because they are afraid. They are afraid that you won't be able to catch up with the other kids. They are afraid that, you know, you won't be able to be accepted. And it's very little to do with you and everything to do with their embedded insecurity that somehow a mistake or an event in your life has now triggered. And now because they are triggered, they say something in a moment and that follows you through for the rest of your life. The reasons why those messages stick, guys, is because when we are children, we don't have the intelligence, we don't have the wisdom to do this exercise that I did last week and that you're doing now. When you're four, five, six, seven, eight, you don't have the intelligence to apply your mind and say, hang on, I don't have to carry that label, mom. I don't have to carry that label, dad. Let me take a deeper look at what's happening in dad's life. Who was dad as a child? Who was mom as a child? You're not doing that as a child. And so when your mother says, you look fat in those jeans. When your mother says, I wish you were as clever as the other kids. When your, when your teacher says, you, you, you will not reach your full potential. You'll never reach your full potential. You know, when somebody else says you're too loud, ladies don't sit like that. Boys do not cry. You know, when somebody says all of those negative messages, when we are children, we receive those messages and boy, do we carry it like it's the gospel. And it's only in our later years as young adults that we're able to really do the work and undo the negative messages. 
The reason why it's important to do this exercise, guys, is because unless we take a deeper look at the things that continue to, you know, dance around in our minds, we won't be able to recognize how those messages affect us in the current day. So like I said, if somebody said to you, be careful what you're wearing, your hips look too big. I'm still out here thinking, oh, well, well, I'm too fat for these. I don't look good in these. I'm not the kind of person that wears these kinds of clothes. I don't look at this. This is not for my body type. It's for her body type, but it's not for my body type, you know. Or somebody else who says, um, why aren't you as good as the other kids? Why can't you apply yourself like the other kids? Now, as an adult, you're always feeling inadequate. You're always comparing yourself to somebody and you're always searching for the need to be inadequate. So if we don't trace it back, then we will continue to perpetuate those messages. And when we continue to recycle those messages, we'll continue to live out in the pattern that we've been living. So it's important to have context on those messages. So I hope you guys can really make some time for that exercise today. Um, it really is a deep exercise. It really, really is a deep exercise. But I think in wanting to restore our lives and wanting to take a deeper look at our lives, it's important that we recognize that through your journey of healing today, you can heal a problem and make sure that that problem does not relive or resurface in the generations that are to come. You know, when people talk about generational curses, people think of, you know, bewitchment and who said what against your name. But often generational curses are just a result of a person who hasn't taken the time to heal in the present moment. What you fix in this time, in this moment, can cure and heal future generations. If I deal with with any inadequacy I felt about my body, that means that my daughters and my sons will never hear that negative messaging that I heard, that my auntie heard, that my auntie's mother heard. They won't hear that because I've taken the time to understand where the problem lies, where, where it comes from, what the messaging was, why I believed it, why she said it and therefore once I understand that I can delete that negative message from my life. It no longer needs to be content that is on replay. It no longer has to be that and so you know when we go through different experiences you know that's also where the messaging comes from. So as a child you fail once and then you hear you're a failure and then for the rest of your life you carry the narrative that you're a failure. But in actual fact, you're not a failure. You just failed once. And failing is not a curse. Failing is not a problem. It's just the opportunity to learn something new. We, throughout life, we all fail. We all make mistakes. But if your parents label you as a failure, now that's different because they've taken one incident in your life and, cre and have created a narrative, you know, even th this, this thing around, you know, daddy issues. If you, you know, reconcile with your father or make peace with your father, or even through therapy, you may not have the opportunity to make peace with your father, but you can certainly make peace with the idea of your father and what happened and the fact that he left. You're no longer the guy with daddy issues. You're no longer the girl with daddy issues. And so a label 
um, an experience that was relevant at a particular point in your life is not relevant right now. So making sure that we do the work is essential. Making the connection between our current behavior and our pattern of living to where it originated from is a very important part of our process and journey of healing. If you guys liked the exercise and you want to read up on more content by Louise Hay, you can find her books on Amazon. You can find her books on a, ver a variety of sources. And it's amazing, guys. You know, once I had done that, I actually had compassion for the people that hurt me. Once I was able to understand it and not really say understand it from their perspective because nobody's perfect, but it was really like once I understood what was behind the message that a lot of the time when our parents, our aunts, our uncles, our teachers say these negative things that often mark us for life, it's because they are fearful, they are insecure, they feel inadequate, they feel small, they feel stupid, you know, they feel ugly. And so because they hadn't done the work, it then became a narrative that they shared with you and with me. But if we can do the work, we can end that narrative here. And so I think next week I want to continue to dwell on this area of you are more than what happened. But for today, you are more than what happened in that, yes, there are things that happened. There were messages that were communicated based on those incidents. You felt a certain way about those messages that were uh, communicated because of those incidents. But today you can decide that, you know, I failed once. That doesn't make me a failure. You know, um, I certainly don't look like the other kids. That doesn't mean I'm ugly. You know, my father left. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm inadequate. That doesn't, I was not planned. That doesn't mean I'm inconvenient. So when you do this exercise, I hope that it will speak to you the way that it has spoken to me and that it will nourish your mind and your soul and take you one step further in your process and journey of healing. Happy Tuesday, Choose Yourself, guys. I hope this blessed you as much as it blessed me. Please, guys, send me DMs, emails. Um, you can find me on Instagram at hayziz.podcast and at gmail at hayziz.podcast at gmail. Let me know what you guys thought about this exercise. Let me know if it made you think and gave you a new perspective as it did with me. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you guys. But for now, guys, God bless. Happy Tuesday, Choose Yourself. <laughs>